0: Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross but god raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him david said this about him i saw the lord always beside me before me because he is at the right hand i will not be shaken therefore my heart is glad my tongue rejoices my body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day, but he was a prophet and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah and that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God raised this Jesus to life and we are witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all the Lord will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That is the first gospel message preached. It was preached by Peter under the power and boldness of the Holy Spirit. I read that out loud corporately for the first time last service. And I got to tell you, I am just excited to read it as I was last hour. What an amazing message. What power that took, what boldness that took to basically say point blank to these people, you crucified this Jesus, but he is not dead. He is alive. That's amazing. And that gave birth to the first church. What did that church look like? Well, I'm glad you asked because he goes right on to tell us in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the birth of the first church. That's what the first church looked like. And... We don't know exactly, I mean, this is a very general statement, a general description. We don't know how long it took for this church to develop. It doesn't tell us, but we can deduce from just the general statements here that this didn't This wasn't day one that this church began to look like this. You don't just run out after being baptized and sell your property and come back that same day with money and lay it at the... No, the the signs and wonders continued to go on. The life continued to go on. The unity continued to build. The church was built, and over time, a reasonable amount of time, the church took on this Characteristic. this description. And this isn't the only description. There's another one in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were in, one in heart and mind. No one claimed any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there were no needy persons among them, For from time to time, those who owned land and houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. In Acts chapter 6, we have another description. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples. So that's, that's Jesus' disciples, the 12 plus the one that replaced Judas, gathered all the other disciples. Most scholars believe that the, the church at this time was as big as 25,000 people. They gathered the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables Now, you might say, well, good grief, that's kind of arrogant. Well, is there something wrong with that? Is that beneath them? No, it's not beneath them. They say it would not be good for us to um, not pay attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. That's their job. How important was waiting on tables? Well, it tells us that they wanted men who were known to be full of the spirit and wisdom to turn that responsibility over to them. It's super important. Every job in the church is very important. And so we need people who are full of the spirit and wisdom to be filling all of our positions of ministry. This proposal pleased the whole group. And so they chose seven men, presented them to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And God used that To spread his word and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Even a number, large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So in those three descriptions, which is what we have in the book of Acts, they all are very, very similar in description. As I said, most scholars assume that the church was as many as 25,000 at this point. So it would take some time to build the church to, to grow and to be that size. Um, but as you read the three descriptions, as I say, it's very similar characteristics of what God's plan is for the church. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 10. Peter has just stated, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, father. Uh, no, there's no fathers. What's up with the father? Haha. Children and fields along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. So the church that we know, the, the local church, was part of God's plan for the new covenant all along. Now, I realize that there are plenty of things that aren't perfect about the church. There is no perfect church. Why? Because there's no perfect people. Anytime you get imperfect humans, which we all are together in a group, even if they are following God, there will be problems. And we saw problems existed even in the first church. What? Well, this group of mother-in-laws were complaining and this group of mother-in-laws were complaining because they didn't get their benevolence package. And so you have a problem there. And what happens? Well, God has a plan for that. And he established the first working board, the deacons. And we have a model like that. We saw it last week. We celebrated what God has done over the last year and beyond at Mill City Church, and we want to take time to thank the Lord for that and celebrate that. We're excited for that. We also want to look into the future. What's God going to do in 2022? What's he leading us to do? And we want to be excited for that. But for today, before we jump back into the Gospel of John next week, I want to take a closer look at this Acts 2 church because it gives us a model for what God's mission is for his church. So let's look at it it again here. Verse 42, Acts chapter two, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common That I believe all churches should possess, should have in order to reach their God-given potential. And the first is this. There was a spiritual life part of this church. Now, when I say spiritual life, what I mean by that is there was formation and development of a life that is focused on God. Look at it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. You know, there's a word right there that our culture doesn't really have, devoted. There's there's not a devotion. There's not a commitment to things. And as a church, we need to be teaching commitment to the Lord. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, praising God. That's components of a spiritual life, of a life that is focused on God. As a church, we need to be helping people to form and develop a life that's focused on God. And what's the alternative to that? Well, it's the world. It's a life that's focused on self It's a life that's focused on the physical, natural things, our own needs, our own wants, our own desires, filling our minds and filling our hearts with natural temporal things versus eternal things. As a church, we have to be teaching and leading people, leading each other, In the way that Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3. Look at it. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. So you are born again. You have made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Okay? You've been raised with him. So set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things. For you died. Your life is no longer your own. You were, but now you are seated with Christ, hidden in Christ. Now, let think about it. I'm, I'm 49 years old. Uh, I got my driver's license in 1988, okay? I had a Honda CRX. Some of you know what that is. It's a little two-seater Honda hatchback, and um, I had a little blue one, it was a DX, but I had my heart set on the SI. Well, the SI, which I ended up getting, uh, I had, it was silver, I had black glass, uh, I had a, a CD player that had eight times oversampling which I have no idea to this day what that means, but it was super cool. It even had a little lever I could pull it out so it couldn't get stolen. I had two amps in it. I had a bazooka tube in the back. And I tell you, when I, when I, before I got all of those things, you know what I had? I had my heart set when I was driving in that little Navy DX. No, no, no. I want the silver SI with the black glass and the bazooka tube. So my, my heart set on that. Well, now that I'm old and have a family uh, and are growing in my life with the Lord, I don't really have my heart set on those things anymore. My mind isn't set on earthly things. My mind is set on things that are eternal. And, And as a believer, we need to be growing in that Trend. We need to be growing in that thought process, in that mindset. How do we do that as a church? Well, we gather corporately on Sundays, Wednesday nights. We teach the Bible every time we come together. We teach the Bible verse by verse. So we take concepts in context, we don't cherry pick things that will tickle your ears. We don't skip over things that don't tickle your ears. In fact, you know what? The Bible is an equal opportunity offender. Just give me a few weeks. And that's why I say people that come to this church, you can't judge this church on a Sunday, a single Sunday. You really need to come at least six weeks. I promise you in six weeks, I will get you, right? Not so much here or here, but right about here. (laughs) That's our goal is to try to... Why? Because, you know, God's word is like a mirror. We're not supposed to say the same when we come to know Christ. Mark Driscoll says it this way. Everyone is welcome in Christianity to be changed. Everyone can come in. God takes you just where you are, but he's not going to leave you right where you are. You can't stay where you are and go with God. We worship together. We pray together. Um, we, we have other things outside of the services that, that are designed to invest in you spiritually, to encourage you spiritually, to grow in your relationships with each other and your relationships with the Lord. Outrageous sisterhood. I mean, ladies, tomorrow night, if you're not at work, you need to be here. It's not about you. It, it's about the Lord and it's about the people around you that you can add value to and, and, and that can add value to your life. Mill City men. We had thirty guys there yesterday. That frustrates me. When when we've got um, well more than hundred and fifty men that are part of this church, that for four weeks we can come together Wednesday nights. Man, there is a power. When I mean, we had over one hundred and thirty people in here on on Wednesday night, and and we were praying and calling on God, and you could just there was a a there was a physical presence of God that was. Hovering over this place as I was just walking back and forth here at the beginning of the service praying and everybody praying. You, it was just a, God was moving in a miraculous way on Wednesday night and I tell you if you're not here you miss it. Life groups are another critical part of the spiritual life of the church. Season of fasting encouraging you. Why would you fast and pray? Because it draws you closer to the Lord. It's investing in a personal spiritual Life. It's critical that we do this and that we do it well, but that isn't all we do. Now, the second one is this, building community. Look at it again, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to prayer. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Everybody needs community. We are not, it is not good for man to be alone. If you just look at the creation story, God created the world in six days and every day he's like, boy, and and it was good. And it was good. And it was good. And the very next chapter he says this, it is not good for man to be alone. We're not supposed to be alone. We are supposed to be in relation with other people. And and when you give your life to the Lord and you start to grow in him, then your old relationships, your pre-Christ relationships will and should weaken. And sadly, many will fall away. And there's a reason for that. First of all, Jesus said the door is small and the path is narrow and few will take it. And that's just straight from the mouth of Jesus. So we know that we're in the minority. But, but if, as you think about it, as your life is changing, your spiritual life is growing, the things that you enjoyed doing, the relationships that you were involved in, of course you want to invite them to come with you. But the probability is not high that they all will. In fact, the, the probability is pretty high that many of them won't. And so you, you, you need other new relationships. That's what Jesus is saying. Any of you who what? who give up relationships, jobs, possessions, for who? Me and the gospel. They're going to have to be replaced. And he promises we'll fail to receive a hundred times. So you look around. These are, for the most part, I don't know everybody in the room, But a lot of people here in the room, you're committed and you are going for, for God and you are brothers and sisters together and we need each other. Now, in the Acts 2 church, there was a high probability, we know that there was, I mean, religious persecution, there was physical persecution. And for us, at least for now, for I don't know how much longer, but we don't have a government that's persecuting us. Um, But it doesn't have to be physical. It doesn't have to be the government. In fact, some of the most painful persecution comes inside someone's home. You call yourself a, oh, you think you're better than, because now you got God then. And next thing you know, you just, your friends at work, oh, you're too good to go out to Oh, you can't spend time with me. I thought I was your, next thing you know, you've got emotional, you've got verbal persecution. And so we need each other. We need personal friends, not just Bible study friends. And what do I mean by that? Well, personally, I do more in life than just sit and read my Bible, sing worship songs and pray. that's me maybe that's not you I like football I like working out in the yard I love mowing I have two and a half acres now and I love to sit on my tractor and mow it's like three hours of pure unadulterated fun I got a pole saw and I like to cut tree limbs and then take them drag them over and burn them I love that stuff Uh, I like my job at the bank. I have friends that I enjoy doing life with. Um, When you give your heart to the Lord, um, the direction of your life changes, your spiritual life changes, but you're still the same person. And you still like the things, regular things, regular, I don't know what girls like, but I know what guys like, and guys like these kinds of things, and girls, you do whatever you do and you still will. They won't be idols, they shouldn't be, but they can still be enjoyable things, interests, and when you're in relation with your old self friends, then they won't be life-giving, and in fact, they could be detrimental, and so you need new friends. And the church has to be a place that builds community. My son, Michael, was uh, at men's group a couple of weeks ago, was describing something that uh, Jake had shared when he was in middle school. Um, And it was just a physical illustration of, of two kids came up front, and one was standing on a chair, and the other was standing on the floor. And they were to link arms and try to pull each other. And which one was easier to do, pulling down or pulling up? Pulling down is You've got gravity against you and, I mean, alone, but, but, I mean, it's just gonna be easier to be dragged back down to your old self than it is to pull your other friends in the direction that the Lord wants to take you. So while we're helping you build your spiritual life, we also need to be help, helping you to build life-giving relationships through the community of the church. Now, that's much more easily done outside of Sunday morning service and Wednesday night. That just, that's, you're not, I don't allow you to talk when I'm talking. But after church, life groups, uh, men's ministry, women's ministry, you know, OS Monday night, Saturday morning, the rallies, and we, that's why we have an after party, that's why we do pre-show fun, stuff like that, is just to build, get people working and, and doing life together, building relationships, serving in the church, serving in ministry. If you're in the right place, then it's high probability that you are serving next to people who are interested in the same things you are, perhaps in the same family structures, family stage that you're in. And and the Lord will help you to build relationships as you find a place to do that. There's a third characteristic, discipleship. Now, discipleship is different than the first characteristic of spiritual life. Discipleship is teaching people the commands of God, and to follow them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. Discipleship comes from the word disciplines. And a disciple puts disciplines in their life that emulates who they are following. And here in the Acts 2 church, just in this paragraph, we see um, some important commands of God, studying God's word. We see communion in here. We see prayer in here. We see attitudes, awe, a reverence for God and his power. We see unity within the body. We see thanksgiving and gratitude. We see praise. Those are attitudes that every believer should have and should be growing in. We see generosity and giving we see that they did it in homes as life groups. And lest you think, well, the early church, all they did was meet in homes, and, and there's a sect right now that's really anti-church as we know it, and, and their, their position is, well, the, the early church, the New Testament church, they didn't do that. They met in homes. No, they didn't. They met in the temple. How often did they meet at the temple? Every day. <laughs> I'm only asking for Two. So, you guys are getting off easy. I'm just saying, be here Sunday and be here Wednesday, and the Lord will bless you. Find a a, a life group once, you know, they're together all the time. And it wasn't some commune. No, it was believers together doing life together. Uh, All of these disciplines should be part of our life. What do we do as a church? Well, we teach on salvation, we teach on baptism, we teach on the gifts of the Spirit we teach tithing, we teach serving, just to name a few. These are part of our disciplined process of teaching. And as we just read the Bible verse by verse, they just automatically come up. Now, Peter writes this in Second Peter chapter 1, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to your goodness knowledge, to your knowledge, self-control, to your self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, mutual affection, to mutual affection, love. Now, discipleship is walking with God. There, There are two critical components to a relationship. It's time and time spent. You must invest time in whatever relationship you have. You must spend time together and you must do it consistently for a period of time. Now, time spent trumps time. So I may know somebody uh, five years, but if I've only seen them a couple times a year or less, I don't really know them as well as somebody that I see on an ongoing basis. I could know somebody... In a very short period of time, because I've spent a lot of time with them, right? But, but it, think with me about this process, this growth and maturing process that is discipleship. You make a decision to, to follow Jesus. Okay, what does that mean? That means you are accepting there's a God, um, you have sin, you need forgiveness. And Jesus is there to forgive you, okay? You can't touch, feel, and see Jesus. So you accept that by what? Faith. You choose to believe. Part of that choice, that part of that belief is that you have sinned and you have fallen short of God's glory, okay? Well, how do you know what that is? Well, God's word, Okay. So I'm going to accept by faith and understanding I have sin in my life. So I'm going to make a decision to get rid of that sin, that bad, and I'm going to replace it with what? Good. Okay, so I have to make a decision. And so I've added faith to my faith, the the resolution. I resolve to do what's good. How do you know what that is? The Bible. So now I'm going to add to my resolution of goodness, knowledge. Now I'm going to have to get rid of my old self and and create, walk in my new self. What's that going to take? Self-control. If you're exercising self-control, it's going to require perseverance. You have to stick it out. And you have to get up when you fall and get back on and it's walking it's not running you can't run into this thing you just got to put one foot in front of the other you're going to stumble you're going to step your toe you're going to get back on the and you're going to put one more fo- one foot back in front of the other you're going to walk with God perseverance the longer you walk with God the longer you persevere the more you're going to look like God godliness The more you look like God, the more you love him and those around you, that's mutual affection. God is love. That's just the process you take through. That's discipleship. Who needs to be discipled? All of us, every single one of us. And I have men in my life who are years ahead of me that I'm foolish to not have as part of my life you benefit from their investment in me. I benefit from my investment in others. Every single one of us needs to be discipled. So who disciples? Most of us can. Most of us can. I mean, you could be just a few weeks into your walk with the Lord. And if we are a church that is modeling God's plan for us, then we're gonna have somebody This week, we're gonna have somebody next week that comes into right relationship with the Lord. And somebody that's a month ahead or two months ahead might be the perfect person to say, Hey, I know exactly where you're living right now. Let's do this thing together. Now, does that mean they're gonna be teaching the gifts of the Spirit? No, but that's not, well, they're not ready for that anyway in many, many cases. Okay, so everybody has an opportunity to disciple. Galatians chapter six, Paul says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently. Now in context, what we're not talking about is you sitting behind a corner waiting to pounce on your brother and sister who's catching, I'm gonna catch them. That's not restorative and that's not gentle. That's really not walking in the spirit either. So let's be, let's be what does what it require? A relationship with the Lord, for one, and a relationship with another person. So as Andre and I are in, in relationship with each other, I'm gonna see perhaps things in his life that the Lord will lay on my heart to work with him on. That's just discipleship. Brother, I, I, here I've seen this in you. And if I've got a strong relationship with him and he knows we've got strong relationship, we've got, you know, relationship with the Lord, he's gonna receive that from me and together we're gonna grow. Now, as you, as you can imagine, that's really boy-boy, girl-girl stuff, right? That's, that's not, that's, I'm not discipling a woman here. This is as much discipleship women as you get from Mr. Spence. But my wife's a great discipler Um, We've got an amazing staff and leaders here at this church um, all around us that are looking for people to invest in. um, That will lead to the fourth characteristic, and that's placement of ministry. Paul writes this in Romans chapter 12, for just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. And we all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's leading, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You see, every single one of us has a gift. And we all need to be investing that gift in the kingdom. That's ministry. We call it serving probably too much. How about this? You need to be involved in ministry. Every position is an important position. From... Greeting people, I, I actually had a, an appointment this week with a with a client a new client and um, it was my second meeting with them and uh, i, I don 't remember how it came out, but i I mentioned i'd pastor a church and, and, oh really, what church uh, mill City church? I know that church she said I run past that church she 's a she 's a runner she got a, a group of of uh, I don't know what they were on, a marathon, half marathon, whatever they do. You see them in the summertime, they run by the church. And so we have this visibility. I had no idea that she knows about us. It just opened up the door. And so she knows the people, Jeremy, that are out at the front of the building with that sign that says, free coffee, or smile at Sunday, or we're glad you're here. There are people that don't darken our door that know us because of the joy that we have to open our doors to anybody that wants to come be a part of this body. Uh, That's amazing. Every job is important, and everybody is a 10 in some area. Now you might ask, well, what about the Acts 2 church? Where where is that in this paragraph? I would submit to you it's all over it. Look at it. They devoted, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. There's teaching in there. There's hospitality in there. There's prayer in there. There's spiritual gifts in there. There's giving and generosity in there. There's administration in there. There's encouragement in there. There's worship in there. All of the gifts, the ministry gifts, are all in this church, and I would submit to you, they're all over this church. We have an incredible body. One of the greatest responsibilities as a church that we have is to help people to discover their gifts and then invest those gifts in the ministry of the church. And and how, how does a body of water stay fresh? You know, It has an outlet. It it has an outlet. I mean, it's somebody that's got a pool. You know, if you don't have a circulating, if you don't have some filter circulating the water, it will not stay the color you want it to stay. In fact, it will grow stuff you don't want in there. And it will become murky and it will not be what you want it to be. The, the, the land of, of uh, Israel has got a, a wonderful example in the Sea of Galilee that has an outlet that goes down to the Dead Sea, which has no outlet. And it's full of death. If you focus only on what you want, first of all, it's very self-serving. It's not the attitude that anybody starts out to have. But ultimately, you will become very critical. And I don't mean necessary, I mean critical. You'll become harsh, you'll see all the bad things. And, and I wanna say this, and I say it in love, but I say it in truth. I have the privilege of standing up here every Sunday and, and I know, I, mean, I, I know everybody that's a part of this church. I may not know all your names yet, but I know where you sit. And I know when you move to the wrong spot. And, and I, you know, there's, there's people that, that come And and I'll say this, you know, for 15 years, Sandy and I served the Lord by serving the church in various capacities all over the church before we even had a thought that we would be pastoring. Okay, so I've sat in your chair much longer than I've stood here. And we don't do comment cards at Mill City Church because the comment cards that we get are from people that have one job, and that's to sit In their stinking seat. And they become critical of everything that's done, but they never lift a finger to help. And so they have created, in and of themselves, a dead sea in their heart. They're very unhappy Christians. They're saved. I think, I I expect, it's not my job, but my Lord. Grab a shovel and and get on board. It's so very important because every single one of us has a place of ministry. And not everybody, very few people will have a, a Josh Ernst type of job where they're vocationally in ministry. Most people, and I'll just venture to say 90 plus percent of Christians will find that area of ministry in the local church. And, and I unashamedly talk about the importance of that because we need all people. But you may remember uh, back in September, I, I shared with you uh, the Engel scale of evangelism. Um, and it, what it is is a, a progression of a believer in Christ from pre-inception to maturity. And and on the negative side, and by that I mean minus side, um, somebody first has to believe in a God. Now as the fourth largest nation, unchurched nation in the world, we are we have, we have a very rapidly growing percentage of our population that is atheist or agnostic. So atheist doesn't believe in God, agnostic, agnostic doesn't care. You know, whatever. Okay, so in order for somebody to put their faith and trust in Jesus, they have to first have an acceptance of supernatural. And then... They have to, let's put it this way. I got to believe there is a God. And then I have to believe that there's one true God. And that he's good. And that he has a plan for me. And that plan is a good plan. And that plan is Jesus. Now, will you accept him? Yes, that's zero. Okay, so now somebody's made a decision, which is incredibly difficult. I mean, imagine this path. This is a a process to get through, right? Now they've just made a decision to, to believe. I've decided to take you at your word. Okay, now plus one means let's figure out what that means. Paul says we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And we have a society that's barraging us and things that are very anti-Bible. And so, you know, that's that add to your faith goodness. Okay, I'm going to resolve to do what's good. Now I'm going to add to that goodness knowledge. And you see how that just the same kind of process. And ultimately, what the goal is, a mature believer is reproducing its fruit. I am now sharing my faith. I am now involved in ministry, the Acts 2 church was involved, I would submit to you, every single one of them involved in some area of ministry. And we have to, as a church, really be targeting all of these things. Now, for the most part, we spend a lot of our time at zero, minus one, and into the plus side. But as we talked about last, last week, um, those, those areas of our society, as a church, we need to be equipping you. What if you were the missionaries? You are the missionaries. And I'm, I'm a missionary to the bank and somebody's a missionary to the hospital, and somebody's a missionary to the school system, and somebody's a missionary to this apartment complex, and somebody's a missionary to this grocery store, and all of these different things. See, we are the hands and feet of Jesus, and and as a church, we need to be equipping you and helping you and getting you connected with other people that do the same thing you do, sharing stories and ideas and, and growing in that way. If Mill City Church fulfills God's call on our lives, which I believe, I know, we are, um, then we're a safe place. Because God draws people to himself. We don't draw people to God. God. That's God's job. In fact, we don't build God's church. Jesus said, I will build my church. It's not our, we have to be responsible though with what God has given us in our faith and our knowledge. Uh, we have to be responsible with the gifts that he has given us. But as we are a reflection, and the worship team can come, as we are a reflection of him and obedient to what he's called us to do, then the fifth characteristic will automatically happen, and that's called evangelism. Look at it, it says, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily. What good people that like to hang out? People who like to do good things? No, people who are getting saved. See, that's really a, that's what it's about. Our job is to see history changed one person at a time. And that comes in one way. That's a right relationship with Jesus Christ. But we don't build his church. He is very capable of doing that. That is his job. You are not my people. You are God's people. God has entrusted me with your care. And I take that very, very seriously. And these components go into that care. Spiritual life, building, helping you to build a life that's focused on God. Helping to build relationships, community within the body of Christ. Discipling you, what does this mean? What about this? How do we do this? I just failed, what do I do now? Those are just step by step. Getting you involved in the ministry of the church, which I wouldn't trade anything for the last seven years. It has been the absolute joy ride of my life. I have loved almost every minute of it. But all of the little battles, those little almosts, nothing. I'd do it again in a heartbeat and again and again and again. So to see life changed, to see people free, to see people loving god loving each other is absolutely amazing but while we don't do that god does use us and look what paul says in first corinthians chapter 3 who is apollos that was a dynamic evangelist what is paul who am i we are nothing more than servants through whom you came to believe And as the Lord has assigned each task, I planted seed, Apollos watered it, but it was God that made it grow. So neither me or him or you or her or any of us really are anything. It's only God because he's the one that makes it grow. Now that said, the one who plants and the one who waters do have a purpose and will be rewarded for fulfilling their call because we are co-workers with God. You are the field of God's building. Isn't that cool? We are about kingdom work here. And we have a lot of different doors to enter of course, Sunday morning, um, the men's rally is, in a, is a great time to, to be together. It's also a great time to invite people that wouldn't necessarily come to church on a Sunday morning. The, when, the uh, women's conference coming up in May, the first night, that Thursday night, is, is, is evangelical in nature. It's not a, that's a churchy word. We don't use that much. Sharing the gospel is what we say. <clears throat> But but Thursday night, there will be a gospel message and an opportunity for salvation at that time. And then day two and three, all of a sudden become that much more fruitful. Uh, Easter, Mill City Christmas, those are great opportunities. So is pack the pack. Being out in the community, um, giving back, the 1031 party is a great opportunity for the doors to be open. The market is a huge opportunity to be a blessing to people who are in need. Mill City Youth, we we hear stories of salvation and life change on Wednesday nights, uh, week after week. Mill City Kids, same thing. All of these ministries and events are about evangelism. They're about sharing the gospel. Um, But so are you. That should be your focus as well. And um, you're the missionary to your world. And we want to help you uh, to be the best you can. But listen, if we just settle on what God has already done at Mill City Church, then we have just settled. And I don't want to settle. But if, if God did it before, man, how much more can he do? If he did uh, something amazing with 35 people on launch Sunday, imagine what he could do with 500 people. I can't wait to see what he's going to do. And I certainly don't want to stop with, can you imagine if the best years of your life were in your rearview mirror? Ugh, that would be terrible. No, we want to be inward focused, And we want to be outward focused as well in order to fulfill what God's called us to do. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for um, a model of a dynamic church that loved you and served you, received you, were empowered by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that you use us to do your work. Father, I pray right now as we just bring this service to a close that you would speak to our hearts. As you are digesting this message and what the early church was. I began with Peter's first message. The components of that message were a historical perspective bringing it to the truth of who Jesus is and why he came and what God did in and through him and then a a call for a decision. The gospel is is simply this, that there's no one righteous, not even one, and all have sinned and fallen short of perfection, God's glory, it says. And the wages of sin, the, the penalty for that, the cost that everyone carries for the sin that we have is death. And not a physical death, but a spiritual and eternal death. But immediately after it says that, it says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. goes on to write this that whoever confesses with their mouth that Jesus is who he said he is that Jesus is Lord then they'll, and and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead what Peter said happened then you'll be saved and all who call in the name of the Lord Will be saved. And that means everyone. That means anyone. And it doesn't matter what your background is, it doesn't matter what your gender is, it doesn't matter who you came from, what your parents did, what your grandparents did, it doesn't matter any of that stuff, but it does matter that you make that decision. Nobody can make that decision for you, but God's word says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I don't know where you are, but I just believe with all my heart that that there's there's some business that's going to be done spiritually today in in some lives. For for you, maybe you've never you've never made that decision. You've never made Jesus Lord of your life. You never, it's never been put that way. Doesn't mean you are joining the church. It doesn't mean that you've never been to church. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. It just means that, truth be told, if somebody asks you, "Have you ever put? Have you ever made Jesus Lord of your life?" The honest answer is no. Some of you, maybe you have. And week after week, we we have the opportunity to talk to people who can honestly say, you know, there was a season in my life, and maybe it was when you were a kid, or maybe it was when something happened, whatever. And you did make that decision. But something happened after that. Maybe you got busy. Maybe you got a new job and something happened. Maybe somebody hurt you you didn't understand somebody said something and it, it it just tore something and the honest answer to the very specific question how's your relationship with the lord can only be answered in this way i just don't really have one right now and the the beauty of our Lord is the grace of our God is He's got you right here, right now. And for you to be just a matter, Lord, I, I need to repent of what I've allowed to get between you and me. And I need a, a right relationship with you. if that's you today, one of those two, you've never given your heart to the Lord. You're not in right relationship with the Lord. Today is your day. And if you would just acknowledge that, just let me know. I'd like to pray for you. Is there somebody here? Thank you. Praise God. It's awesome. Anybody else? Father God, I thank you. Your word says that all heaven rejoices, if one, and you go out of your way. You have gone and grabbed me so many times I can't even count. And so, Father, I just rejoice asking Father for a just supernatural peace to fall on all of us today. I thank you for a church that you've raised up in this community that wants nothing more than to see you do the miraculous, supernatural. So God, I stand once again in awe of you and what you're doing, and I pray for your help moving forward. I'd like our prayer team... Maria, could you come up and, and Daryl could... Is Daryl back there? John and Steph, would you mind coming up here? I'd just like to take a... a opportunity as we're, as we're closing, um, we're going to sing this closing song, but I'd like to invite perhaps you didn't raise your hand and you just, there was a a check in your spirit. There's something going on and you need to pray with someone. Um, I'd like to, you know, this would be kind of a girl, girl, boy, boy type of opportunity here. You need somebody to pray with. And uh, listen, we are here. to to see God move in your life and and there's something about putting feet to your faith. There's something about taking a step towards the altar. There's nothing special about this concrete here. What it is is a a spiritual implication on a physical move. And so God, I pray for boldness today. I pray, Lord, that you would do um, what only you can do in our hearts for those that need to take a step towards you. Uh, Father, I pray that there would be just a a release uh, and uh, a supernatural uh, forgiveness and and peace that would come uh, upon each and every one. We pray this in Jesus' name.